three, two, one. Okay, everyone, I'm attempting the the never before done, which I gave you video on the Monday episode, and you got audio on the Patreon episode. And now I'm going to attempt to fuse the two in a process I have never before attempted. I, I can't imagine it's uh, that hard, as, as my friend Cody pointed out to me the other day, literal children are able to accomplish it on TikTok. But I, <laughs> I've talked about it before. I never thought I would become so technologically illiterate so early in life. Like I would, uh, uh, my father, when I came back home from college in, I want to say 2012, we had neither internet nor cable at the house. And I thought that was unimaginable and that I would never allow myself to fall to such a place where I didn't have a handle on the current technological uh, advances in society. And yet I found myself in that place, which is my inability to edit video, which children are just learning to do from the womb these days. So I, I didn't intend, I didn't intend on doing any episode this, uh, this week. And now we're on number three. This one is more learning experience than anything else. I'm just, uh, you're going to watch me learn real time. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. And if the audio doesn't sync up with the video, we can blame anyone but me. Uh, I read the preface in chapter one on the Patreon. You got chapter two on Monday, which means today is chapter three. Uh, I didn't really think about where I'm going to hold the book so I can see it with the microphone in my way, but, but we're going to figure this out as we go along. Chapter three. Bainbridge, Casey, Wilcock, Common Soul, Separate Bodies. This chapter and the next continue to introduce David Wilcock. Oh, good. We, we haven't had a, a thorough enough introduction already. I guess that's also part of the reason why I'm uh, doing this is I, I think I sometimes take for granted that not everyone has as thorough a uh, biographical background on Wilcock as I do. And I think a lot of things make much more sense contextually once you understand how he came to be the person he is today. I think that's a good enough explanation instead of the real one, which is I can't come up with enough content on my own, so I'm borrowing someone else's content. Some may even say stealing. Uh, for, for legal reasons, I will say that's not what I'm doing. Where was I? Uh, we will see how his present persona could be the next step in the evolution of his prior two lifetimes as the alcoholic womanizer and wastrel John Bainbridge and the seer out of season, Edgar Casey. Now, r right there, the, the alcoholic womanizer, this is also why I'm doing this, I'm starting to connect dots that were never there before, and maybe I'm just going insane in like a QAnon way, where I'm just seeing things that absolutely aren't actually there. But I feel okay with doing that with David, because he does it all the time, so turnabout, uh, fair play, and all that. Perhaps because he knew Edgar Casey was an alcoholic womanizer in a past life, that is the reason he sees fit to claim he is a recovering addict. I, 
I, I, I know it's probably not great to doubt someone when they make a claim like that, but I do feel like I, I have enough personal experience in that era, in that area rather, to, to be able to understand and sort of sense the essence of an addict in another person. And he doesn't really give me that vibe. But maybe that's a testament to how far he's come. But I don't think so. I think he may have started retrofitting some of his autobiographical information in order to line up with Casey's lifetime better. Wilcock is certainly not hiding out, waiting for the world to recognize and celebrate him as Casey. He's cutting his own path and gaining growing recognition for his accomplishments. I don't know what accomplishments he's speaking of there. He, he had none at this point outside of that uh, Ascension 2000 website. The classic picture of the older Edgar Casey with the soft, loving eyes and the gentle disposition is familiar to almost everyone who has studied New Age spirituality and metaphysics. Casey is usually purported to be a very simple person with unusual powers. On the other hand, some see David Wilcock as, <laughs> as brash, proud, insecure, complex, and brilliant. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Normally, people who are this uh, brash, as he puts it, about their individual accomplishments, I do think that typically is covering for some variety of insecurity. So he's uh, brash, insecure, blah, blah, blah. In taking his stand as Casey's reincarnation, Wilcock has often found himself having to endure immense amounts of skepticism, and he sometimes appears defensive. <laughs> oh, God, I hope there's evidence of that. I really want to see him trying to defend himself as Edgar Casey. That's a good insane guy move, is to just claim you're someone else and then get upset when other people say you aren't. Because there's really, I mean, there's no way you could possibly prove you're someone else. Well, I guess actually there is. You could probably be quizzed by a family member on uh, biographical details, and if you manage to get those right, that may be the case. But I, I believe something like that did occur with Wilcock, that ARE Institute that he uh, talked about in one of the previous chapters. I believe they did conduct some sort of uh, Edgar Casey test because obviously Edgar uh, Casey knew people would eventually claim to be his reincarnation. So I think he set aside uh, some sort of test to see if uh, those who claimed to be him could pass it. And David did not pass it. I know that'll come as a shock to everyone. It's kind of like uh, Stephen Hawking when he did that time traveler party where, where he said he held a party for time travelers and no one showed up. Maybe no one showed up because he was part of the Epstein Five Line Locks. Everyone knew later in life that it was going to come out that Stephen Hogging was diddling a kid. God, that's that's got to be devastating to that child. How do you get diddled by a dude who can't move his limbs? Sometimes, listen, children in the audience, you got to fight for it. If, if uh, I understand when a grown adult fully capable of using all their limbs catches up to you and gets you, but. Uh, but all you gotta do, just unplug his fucking oxygen tank or something. He, he couldn't hit you. He couldn't fight back. You gotta, not to victim blame, but you gotta put in some effort. Not all the blame befalls the guy in the wheelchair. Uh, <laughs> that was, that was a, a tangent I didn't intend on going on. Uh, right, skepticism. His website is peppered with statements like, this is true psychic ability in action, or 
This dream was so immediately stunning that it was necessary to post it as soon as possible. Well, that that still holds true to this day. In throughout the entirety of the Michael prophecies, there are very similar statements that uh, uh, appear. Could the reserved and gentle Casey really have reincarnated as Wilcock? As I studied Casey's life, I learned some rather surprising things about Casey's inner workings. There was frustration and insecurity behind his gentle disposition. I, I think that's always going to be the case when you base your entire life on a lie. Because all you're doing is just worrying, like, when is someone going to find out I've been lying about literally everything? So you probably are pretty defensive in the hopes that uh, you won't be found out. There was frustration and insecurity behind his gentle disposition. According to Harmon Bro in A Seer Out of Season, the, name's, <laughs> the dude's name is Harmon Bro, the shadow of Casey's Bainbridge life hung over him, and if he didn't keep his passions in check, he might jeopardize his ability to do readings. In fact, it seemed to take all of Casey's willpower to stay focused and to accomplish anything at all. His own personhood was a battleground, but so were the personhoods of all others around him in daily life. He knew he was no saint. He could not serve as a model of an ideal spiritual life. At best, he could be seen as a warrior who kept fighting the darkness in himself as long as he could. For many who looked carefully at the, uh, the story of his life, he knew, what, uh, he knew that would not be enough. He knew he smoked too much, ate too much, lost his temper, criticized others arbitrarily, worried, rode his passions, forgot to put first things first, trusted too much in his own plans, failed to build... <laughs> well, if you are psychic, you should be able to trust your plans pretty good. Most people can't see the future. And if you can see the future, you should probably be pretty confident in doing what you're going to do. Failed to build community as he went. And according to Casey's son, Hugh Lynn Casey, the real miracle is that Edgar Casey, with all the problems and tensions inside of him, gave readings and kept on giving them. As I researched, I found myself intrinsically understanding the process of reincarnation and, the, and soul evolution more profoundly, intuiting how Casey's soul could make the transition from John Bainbridge to Casey to Wilcock. Casey did document many of his lifetimes, the Bainbridge one being, one of, uh, being of particular relevance since it was the lifetime immediately prior to Casey's own. Many of the personal trials and tribulations of both Casey and hypothetically Wilcock are related to the life as Bainbridge. Before going through analysis of this, I'd like to present a brief review, in my own words, of Casey's cosmology of reincarnation. We develop our personalities on the physical plane based on our upbringing, our culture, and our choices. Beyond our personality is our soul, which represents our actual individuality. The soul, originally part of the creator, separated out in order to experience its own individuation. According to Casey, we were originally spirit forms while animal life was evolving on the planet. The spirits would occupy the animal bodies to experience physical existence and sexuality, thinking that they could move back and forth from physical to the spiritual. But as you might guess, they got stuck. Thus began this process of reincarnation, where the spirit had to keep returning back into the physical. The death of the physical body is also the end of the personality, but the individuality is retained and carried forward in the soul until it once again reincarnates and become, uh, begins the development of a new personality. Sometimes I read paragraphs in books like these, and I can't tell if I'm having a stroke or if what they're writing makes absolutely zero fucking sense. There's a, a, a tendency to have this shotgun approach when it comes to this shit where you just throw a bunch of big words into a paragraph and a bunch of crazy esoteric ideas. 
and I think the hope is that people won't be able to interpret it correctly on the first read through and then just kind of assign it a greater meaning than it has because it seems complicated at its face. I was just reading, um, I'm working on an episode on William Tompkins and uh, I've been reading his book and I just read through a section of the book where he tries to describe how he invented uh, an electromagnetic propulsion system for aircraft. And he goes on for a few paragraphs trying to describe it, and it just none of it makes any sense. But I think to most people who don't have an understanding of the science, it probably seems legitimate, but it is all nonsense. The Law of One series and other sources mention the veil of forgetting as a natural blockage that stops us from remembering who we were in previous lifetimes. That's a very original name, the veil of forgetting. This gives us the opportunity to be fresh when the same lessons are presented to us once again. Until we make the choices that our higher self wants us to make, the most difficult experience will continue to repeat themselves. The rules of the game are such that we need to go into these experiences just as blindly as we did in previous cases, with the hope that we will now make more optimal choices thanks to our overall increase in spiritual vibration. The ultimate purpose of this spiritual work is to graduate from our current third-density physical world to a higher plane of existence. Most See, a sentence like that, like, where, where do you gain the understanding that the purpose of life is to graduate from third-density? Couldn't that only be told to you by someone who had already ascended from third density? And if someone above third density told you that, why not have them be the teacher instead of yourself? Most who make graduation will move on to the higher world that Earth is now moving into, but some people will have advanced enough to move on to even higher planes of existence. All souls will eventually grow to the point of again becoming one with the Creator, having no memory, no identity, no sense of past, present, or future, just pure oneness. That doesn't sound great to me, but, you know, what do I know? So as we travel through our various incarnations, the focus of our lives will change if we are truly taking in the lessons of these lifetimes. We start as isolated beings seeking survival and power. I'm not sure people seek power. I think that's more a look into the uh, mind of the author than it is the condition of the human spirit. As the progression of our earthly third-density lifetimes gets closer to culmination, we seek spiritual love and experience of unity, which are characteristics of the fourth density. This cycle of birth and death can extend over hundreds of lifetimes and tens of thousands of years, and perhaps longer. If you happen to be one of those resistant to life's lessons, the Law of One series tells us that most of those on Earth fit this category, as we will see later on. According to Casey's readings, John Bainbridge was described as a gambler, drinker, and womanizer who lived in America during the early 1800s. Wasn't that everyone in America in the early 1800s? They thought alcohol was like a health potion. Everyone was uh, an alcoholic back then. Although Bainbridge had psychic abilities, they were used for self-serving purposes. <laughs> no, heaven forbid. Uh, I would hypothesize that if we follow Casey's previous lifetime as John Bainbridge through the current theorized lifetime as David Wilcock, we might conclude that the Bainbridge lifetime was a period of worldly experience. The Casey lifetime was a period of service and atonement, and the Wilcock lifetime is a period of motion towards integration and mastery. Jesus Christ, David is the mastery of the human condition. I don't think that's been borne out to be true over the last two decades. 
We might also see how different the lessons are from one incarnation to the next, noting the extreme swings from Bainbridge, the gambler, to Casey, the prophet. We could also anticipate that there would be a swing in the transition from Casey the prophet to Wilcock the... Uh, how dare he use this word? Wilcock the scientist, scholar, and mystic. He is zero out of those three things. He, he is certainly not a scientist. As we found out last episode, the fucking dude got his degree in psychology and then worked in that field for about 15 days before uh, giving himself the boot to go become a prophet. Both Wilcock and Casey would have probably regarded John Bainbridge's life as a service to self-existence, where he manipulated and controlled other people for his own gains, without regard for the consequences. According to the Casey readings, Bainbridge was literally unbeatable at the shell game because he was able to utilize telekinetic powers to move the pea from one shell to another and outsmart players. This is another one of those things that never makes sense, is... Everyone consider what it would be like to have uh, telekinesis or, or prophetic abilities. I think pretty much everyone who, who considers these possibilities immediately jumps to the possibility of using it to win untold sums of money. If you can predict the future, uh, the most obvious one is the fucking lottery. Pick the lottery numbers and do that. It seems like a great underselling of his ability to basically play three-card Monty in the street. That can't be as profitable as always winning at a casino. Even the most evolved of souls can be tempted into a negative path, and perhaps all souls must go through lives of self-serving behaviors as they move through their cycles of birth and death on the journey back to God. According to a Casey reading, Bainbridge, the entity in the material sojourn, was a wastrel, one who considered only himself having to know the extremes in his own experience, as well as in others. Bainbridge was a charismatic Englishman who was sent into Canadian military service from which he escaped. He traveled as an adventurer and wanderer, and many suffered in his wake through many escapades that have to do with those of the nature of the relations with the opposite sex. That's another thing these guys do, is they try and couch all this behavior in very uh, flowery language. I, I, I guess, you know, it doesn't come across as good to just say he fucked a lot, but that's, that's what they're driving at here. Casey was warned in his readings that he could sabotage his positive spiritual benefit in his Casey lifetime if he yielded to his more basic desires. According to Harmon Bro, who the fuck is Harmon Bro? Uh, the legacy of his life in colonial America could detonate within him, damaging both him and others. On the surface, Casey lived an exemplary life. In addition to his thousands of readings, he was a regular visitor to prisons. <laughs> Wait, as a prisoner or as someone visiting the prisoners? He taught Sunday school and never missed an opportunity to display compassion and caring. Wilcock also frequently lectured at New Age Church in Virginia Beach on Sundays and worked for two years with the developmentally disabled. One could argue that Wilcock has worked his entire lifetime with the developmentally disabled, himself included. Also, I'm pretty sure he was getting paid for those lectures at the church, which doesn't seem super spiritual. But, but despite Casey's positive accomplishments, his struggles with his dark side and negative habits were always apparent to those in his immediate sphere. His source gave him complete dietetic regimens, which he ignored, as well as suggestions to avoid worrying, which were, he was largely unable to carry out. That also explains David's obsession with bizarre diets. 
In spite of his good works and his blessings he bestowed on so many via his readings, Casey seemed to suffer low self-esteem, which kept him uh, continuing financial difficulties through most of his life until his death in 1945. Well, at least that matches up with what uh, David's got going on. He was a chain smoker and a workaholic, often plowing ahead for such long periods of time that his physical health was severely compromised. He never had enough confidence in his own psychic abilities to charge anything beyond a small donation for his readings, and all attempts to use the readings for profit, such as digging for treasure or oil, ended in disaster. That's the other move they did, what I, what I was just talking about with the gambling. The, the easiest way to work an out into your system is be like, you know, my, well, my powers are bestowed upon me by the Lord and higher entities, and therefore they don't want me to use my powers to... Uh, have corporeal satisfaction. Uh, these are not powers to be used in service of the flesh, which is all well and good, but of course that's bullshit. They would be doing it if they could. I, I don't think Jesus is stopping them from being profitable. Uh, where, right, chain smoker compromised. Casey agreed with his reading's perspective that his problems were due to the necessity of balancing the excesses that he had accumulated in his Bainbridge life. Now we flash forward to the life of David Wilcock, finally. Wilcock definitely has a sense of his destiny. He is a man on a mission. He is clearly a workaholic, often failing to leave his computer long enough to turn on the lights once the room has become dark. He was the original gooner. He has received numerous instructions and counsels in his readings to himself, which, which correlate very well with all the life issues that plagued Casey. Oh, so what David thinks about himself being Casey, he agrees with himself. Wilcox speaks candidly about his conflicts in his online book, Wanderer Awakening. Oh, God, no more books. No more books, David. For the love of God, please stop writing. I can't keep reading this where he reveals his process of his self-discovery in his formative years. Thousands of pages of his online books are downloadable for free, although he has already done readings. Well, I think that's they're, they're no longer free. I believe he scraped those from the Internet in order to turn them into the Michael prophecies because the Archangel Michael told him at the time he had to put it out for free, but currently the Archangel Michael told him, you know, it's cool to turn a profit off this stuff. Although he has already done readings for a few hundred people at the time of this writing, he has been told by his source that readings are not to be his principal service. Planet Earth is in the process of a dimensional shift any day now, and his most effective role would be as a leader of, a, of one of a team of liberators who help guide humankind through the changes taking place. Wilcock is presently laying the groundwork for his own part as a liberator with his soon-to-be-published scientific research, his client readings, his web presentations, international lectures, and now the creation of complete CG animated DVD series to illustrate his convergence work. Do these... How come no one... Well, I know the answer to this. It's because if they if they did what I'm about to talk about, they they wouldn't be able to continue believing it. No one bothers fact-checking anything within this field. All it takes is a guy says it, and everyone just goes, well, if he said it, it must be true, because lying does not exist. The only, it's like uh, that Jim Carrey movie, Liar, Liar. Everyone can only tell the truth all the time. But one of the most easy, the one of the easiest things to fucking validate is scientific information, because it should be replicable. 
So if Wilcock at the time was about to produce scientific information, wouldn't the easiest thing to do would be to read the paper and then seek out someone to try and validate that theory. But the problem in doing that is once you do it, you realize he's full of shit. And then they have to come up with another explanation as to why, uh, you know, God didn't want their science to be <laughs> provable. There's a lot of very convenient plot devices within this uh, segment of society, I guess is what I'm driving at here. Every time something doesn't match with what they wanted to, it's because it's serving some variety of greater purpose. Uh, right, he... I don't think we ever got his uh, CG animated DVD series. But he would be the first to acknowledge that he has personal obstacles to be processed, cleared, and removed before he can fully own this potential destiny. We can refer to a comment by Harmon Bro about Casey. Let me get a drink of water before we uh, read from the, the Honorable Harmon Bro. Eventually, Real damage to the soul's growth has been done by the suicide in a previous lifetime where, when he was shamed in a position of authority. But David also says that too. That was the reason why the, the devil had to molest him is because uh, David had a position of authority in a previous lifetime. He was basically, I think he said he was fifth density. So uh, David was basically Jesus Christ in a different timeline. And instead of doing the Christ-like thing of sacrificing himself for his people, he used his position to uh, benefit himself instead of his people. And to pay that karmic debt, he had to be molested by demons. Yeah, that's just good science. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. I gotta read a book that's not written by one of these people. I think I'm filling my head with too much nonsense. I worry I'm not going to be able to uh, come back. I need something to tether myself to reality. Like one of those uh, 1800s diving suits where you're tethered to the boat and they can pull you out of it. I need someone to, to yank me out of this spiral of nonsense. Uh, his readings, leaving a wound of self-doubt which would correspond to what we encountered at times as Casey's hunger for attention and confirmation just below the surface of his personality. And the self-violence of suicide had magnified. The readings indicated a tendency to a quick temper with its unexpected flashing out of even those closest to him. When we perceive David Wilcock expressing self-doubt or difficult financial straits, we can intuit how he's still working out the leftover karma from the life where he committed suicide, as well as his Casey and Bainbridge lifetimes. A Seer Out of Season was one of the books that gave me insight into the inner workings of Casey's persona and helped me to connect a lot of the dots between Casey and Wilcock. Bro actually lived in the Casey... Right, that's the author's name. I thought he was just getting very informal in the middle of the book. Bro actually lived in the Casey household for a period of time and had direct access to the private life of Casey. Concurrently with my study of Bro's book, I was also getting to know Wilcock personally, and I was amazed to find that Bro's description of Casey fit Wilcock perfectly. Wilcock prefers to emphasize his online books and jazz-influenced musical compositions more than his channeled music. His uh, jazz-influenced compositions are where I, I get all those soundboard clips from. That's where he's looking for cum. Bro speaks of Casey's frustration with being recognized only as a purveyor of channeled readings produced in his sleep. Many clients had virtually no interest in talking to him while he was, he was awake, but were ready for him to go into his entranced state as soon as they entered the room. The following is quoted from a seer out of season. 
Some part of Casey seemed to yearn for a yet higher level of integration and ego strength, a take-charge person, captain of himself and others in good times and bad. For the present, his leadership lay in disappearing from view in a trance state which submerged his manhood, his individuality, and his ego. In Wilcox's online books, he is taking the steps towards this higher level of integration. In many ways, Wilcox's treaties scientifically support the Casey readings. They do no such thing. Metaphysical descriptions of how our universe functions through the scientific research was not available during Casey's life to provide this kind of backup. Right, but Casey was a psychic, so why would he need research? Shouldn't he be telling the scientists what to look for? Part three of this book includes a current summary of relevant research compiled by Wilcox. When I first read Wilcox's Shift of the Ages, I wondered how Edgar Cayce could have possibly transformed himself from the simple, uneducated sleeping prophet to the dazzlingly brilliant Wilcox. This guy may be the worst judge of intellect I've ever come across, the dazzlingly brilliant David Wilcox. But as I commenced my research, I found that although Casey may have been uneducated, his thinking processes were intelligent and wise from a seer out of season. Though he chose to live simply, he embodied complex, conflicting currents that gave him size and depth sufficient to mark everyone he touched. This was a mountain of a person, despite his customary soft speech. From Mysteries of Reincarnation by Jess Stern. It became obvious that a good deal of the information in his subconscious had trickled into his conscious awareness and given him a breadth and depth of mind irrelevant to his own education. He had never gone beyond grade school, but he could discourse meaningfully on life with the ease and facility of the greatest of philosophers. In one of the few books written by Casey himself, My Life as a Seer, Casey certainly does not present himself as a simple man. Well, that'd be a bad way to sell a book, right? Is to basically just call yourself a retard. His thoughts about his own life reveal his capacity for introspection, intelligence, and wisdom. From here, it's not a huge leap to sense how Casey, as Wilcock, would have, uh, would have the need to be recognized for his own conscious creations in the areas of scientific research and musical compositions and not simply settle for being the front person for his channeled information. But that also doesn't make a, sen uh, a ton of sense either. I don't think it's a prerequisite to constantly seek adulation and validation. I don't, I don't, uh, maybe I'm wrong here, but I don't really consider that to be a sign of an ascended person. I think being able to be um, sort of a self-contained apparatus is more ascended. Like, uh, you're, you're good with yourself. You don't need the, the plaudettes of those around you to feel comfortable. Wilcox's online books have already garnered him public respect and acknowledgement, leading to two appearances on the Art Bell International Radio Program. Uh, okay, so he had appeared on Art Bell at this point. I guess it's technically three, if you want to include the time that he called in and said he was like an Area 51 pilot or some shit. I remember we, uh, we covered that in a very, very old episode, probably in the first, like, 30 we did. Leading to two appearances, right? A two-year job at, as research director for a nationwide multimedia seminar tour, a university graduate-level lecture and workshop appearance on alternative physics at the U.S. at the pioneering U.S. Psychotronics Association, and a month-long tour of Japan to give lectures, make media appearances, and perform his readings as an interpreter. So, uh, this is where you can kind of see David's additions to the text because I'm willing to bet a great deal of money 
that the adjective graduate level added to lecture graduate level lecture, I, that sounds very much like something David would want included in the same way where he talks about how he has whatever, eight PhDs for his research on aliens. As of summer 2003, Wilcock finally succeeded in building a complete computer-based music sequences studio. Uh, Fruity Loops was already out by then. For $100, everyone could have a uh, computer-based music sequencing studio, allowing him to compose professional quality music to accompany his upcoming lecture appearances, as well as develop the Convergence DVD series. He composes and records what might be called spiritual inspirational music in a modern jazz New Age style. In researching this book, I learned that Ra Ta, one of Casey's past lives, composed music to be used for healing purposes in Egypt. When one hears Wilcox compositions, it's not difficult to picture his freestyle rhythms and melodies reverberating in the halls of an Egyptian temple. Wilcox seldom mentions his Casey background or his channeled information unless prompted, yes, because he was told it makes him look like a fucking insane person. At different times, Wilcox's dream voice, which eventually identified itself as Ra, and then later identified itself as the Archangel Michael, the voice chastised him for overemphasizing his scientific side and not giving the channeled messages enough attention. At the time of this writing, Wilcox still has a backlog of nine months' worth of tapes of his personal dreams and channeled transmissions, and well over 500 client tapes in need of transcription. Let it be known that without these transmissions, we are not fulfilling one of our very basic purposes, and disasters will result. The least that you can do is to honor us this one point by allowing the ego self to step aside once in a while and bring these messages through. That way, there is no separation between your goals and our. That is uh, Raw slash David Wilcock on July 3rd, 2002. Here's December 17th, 2000. The philosophy of soul evolution should earn a good chunk of airtime in the book, a reference to one of Wilcock's online books. And... Uh, what a, a needless addition when he talks about a book he's referring to a book thank you uh winfrey and to heck with the skeptical crowd skeptical crowd wow harsh words from a dumb man the book should be designed to pave the way for a, a, a realization i like how i criticize wilcock for being dumb and then i immediately can't read the word realization uh, it should pave the way for the realization of the wisdom that is being brought forth by humanity's interaction with the extraterrestrial interdimensional forces, and as those forces have kept increasing in size and potency, more and more people will have an innate tendency to accept them since there is so much publicity at this time. That's from February 21st, 1st, 2000. I need a drink of water. I'm losing my ability to speak. I think all these books a giant psyop to make me a bigger idiot. I think this is this is the most effective thing people in that community could do to defeat their uh, detractors. They know it's like a, a poison. It's like that woman who was trying to poison her husband using uh, like drain cleaner. There, she would put just a little bit in his coffee each day, in, in the hopes that it would have a cumulative effect. I don't know how the husband didn't realize. I feel like I would recognize pretty quickly if someone poured drain cleaner in my coffee. I'm pretty familiar with what coffee tastes like. I'm not terribly familiar with what drain cleaner tastes like, but I'd like to think I could figure it out. But anyways, yes, they're poisoning my mind with a, a, a little bit of idiocy at a time. 
But Casey, who lives in our minds and memories, no longer has a body or personality. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. Casey's major impact on the world occurred in the period since he left the body. It is very easy to lose sight of his human, uh, humanness in the shadow of his legacy, but as Harmon Bro describes Casey, he had to deal with his passions, his extremism, his moods and doubts and loneliness while he encountered incredible successes and the shattering failures of his dreams. It's easy to hold Wilcock up to unfair comparisons with Casey the legacy rather than Casey the man, and many people do. In many senses, the relationship of a person to his or her own past life is akin to that of a child to its parents. You don't expect the offspring to be a carbon copy of its progenitor. If you evaluate Wilcox's prior, well, I mean, you don't expect it to be a carbon copy unless it's claiming to be a carbon copy. If you evaluate Wilcox's priorities, you will find him to be a young man plowing through his own obstacles who has dedicated his life to transcending his personal weaknesses, sharing his readings, and compiling the scientific backup to make credible the theory of a pending dimensional shift. Wilcox's language is more contemporary than Casey's archaic-sounding syntax, and he's not bound by the fundamentalist Christian viewpoint, which seemed to be a limitation that Casey's source was aware of. The Casey readings ultimately presented an updated form of Christianity that shed dramatic new light on a classic story, revealing the cosmic context behind Jesus' mission. Wilcock further uh, expands the scope of Casey's cosmology by drawing on the tune trance telepathy of LL Research. That's a great phrase to describe people lying. It's tuned trance telepathy instead of a, a stoned woman laying on a bed and just saying whatever comes to her mind. <laughs> that reminds me, I remember in high school, one time Brandon and I got one of our friends, uh, I guess perhaps a little too high, and he just sat in the back, or actually it was the front passenger seat, he sat in the passenger seat of Brandon's Jeep, I was in the back, and he just rambled for probably about 45 minutes. I know Brandon recorded some of it, I, I, he still has it, uh, I hope he still has it somewhere. There was a, a point where a friend was doing an, an Asian accent, and he just kept saying, oh, miso sorry for your miso soup. <laughs> so I guess, you know, that, that's our version of a trance-based telepathy. <laughs> L&L Research, as well as his own raw connection and the abundance of information, research, and wisdom brought forth by many other light workers who are now inspiring the world at this crucial juncture of time. When the looks, uh, when one looks at the entire picture, the pieces seem to fit. I don't agree with that. Instead of Edgar Casey's life being an isolated myth uh, myst mystical manifestation, one can sense the flow between John Brain Bainbridge, Edgar Casey, and David Wilcock. I mean, you all just listen to me read this chapter. I don't think it proved anything. If anything, I'm more confused now than I was going in. One can intuit how David Wilcock bears both the weaknesses and strength carried forward by uh, from his previous lifetimes. That really is all it is, though, is you can intuit it. This That's basically just saying the vibes are right. But I don't think the vibes being correct are not enough for me to believe in reincarnation. In a seer out of season, Bro presents a discourse based on the Casey readings describing how fine the edge actually is between positive and negative, with the guidelines for transmuting the negative. 
One's weakness could become one's greatest strengths if the energy were properly engaged. Anger and hostility could become boldness and courage. Stubbornness could become leadership, which endures when others quit. Deception could become true invent, uh, inventiveness. Sensuality could turn to healing through rechanneling the life force itself. I don't think anyone wants sensual healing from any of these people. Pride of wisdom could become genuine understanding used in sensitivity. The changes here envisioned were not through amputation, but through redirection of specific energies and urges, growth in which impulses and habits were transmuted for the purpose of serving others and glorifying God. Evil was not poles apart from good, but evil is just under good waiting to be lifted. As <coughs> my voice just break, I'm fucking 32 going through puberty. As the facts come into view in subsequent chapters, the chances of having so many inter, uh, intertwining evidentiary circumstances tying Wilcock to Casey would be highly unlikely without the ultimate link of reincarnation. Yep, that's the answer. There's, there's no other possibility. It's definitely reincarnation. Although being the heir apparent to Casey's legacy is not a role that Wilcock longs to play. I mean, yes, he does. He, he clearly does. He, he, that's his whole thing. He desperately wants to prove he's Edgar Casey. That's how he's making all his money. He couldn't avoid the arrows pointing in that direction. In addition we are able to comprehend Ra's ongoing master plan to communicate with the human plane through Edgar Cayce, Don Elkins, Jim McCarty, Carla Ruckert, and now David Wilcock, as well as unidentified others around the planet. In present time and throughout history, through these channels, Ra is giving us continuity of information with time-shaped clues to inform us of this pending dimensional shift so that we might understand the urgency of connecting with and manifesting our loving and spiritual natures. As I present the case for the reincarnation of Edgar Casey, I intertwine the story of Ra's intervention and assistance in the evolution of humankind over the past 12,500 years. That is the end of chapter three, and that will conclude this week's uh, little detour into my job as an audiobook reader. Having done this, I, I think I feel kind of bad for people who do this for a living. Because you got to figure, like, 90% of the books they read, they probably don't even enjoy. They also can't add their own commentary. They're, they're, just, they're literally just a mouthpiece for the author. That's, well, I guess it depends on how much they get paid. Everything is okay if you have enough money to make it work. All right, now the real job begins. I'm going to uh, end this recording momentarily and then attempt to fuse that with this. And well, we'll see how it turns out. And if it doesn't work, I'll just uh, I'll throw some random footage over this. Instead of looking at me, you'll be watching me playing Ghost of Tsushima or something. Uh, Patreon.com slash Hidden Plain Sight Pod. Brandon is he's back now. We just haven't recorded uh, for next week yet. But you'll get uh, his tale of his time on Fish Tank and all that good stuff. And uh, we do have a Patreon episode banked. I don't remember what it was, but you'll get that as well. Uh, we are at Hidden Plain State Radio on Instagram. Brandon is at Brandon Still Hidden, and we are at the Hidden Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can also reach us at Hidden Plain Site Radio at gmail.com. I realize I don't typically include that, but uh, that is an option as well. All right, hootie hoo. <laughs>